0: Welcome to Hey Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Crack Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin, and joining me on today's podcast, as he always does, it's my doubles partner. Partner in crime. And actually a man who may be leaving me for a new t- teammate soon. It is our very own Maxwell Roth, Rothman.
1: Maxie, hey, great shot. The five oh tour has called, the teams <laughs> are scouting, and this recruit right here, he's in high demand. So uh uh-huh. yeah, we'll we'll have a full, you know, announcement party like LeBron did for, for the heat and uh, we'll we'll release where I take my talents in, in a few weeks. Twenty bucks says Dalton makes us
0: write an article on the five oh tour after he listens to this podcast. He's like, Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> the five oh tour <laughs> Uh, no, you know what we should start
1: we should start live broadcasting the 50 tour. <laughs>
0: Well, I might sneak some – I'm in for that. I'm, Twitter clips. We'll do what we have to do. The video will certainly be entertaining. And we should say we know it's been since the U.S. Open, since we recorded our last pod. You know, Obviously, there's been a lot of tennis since then, and we'll talk about all of those things on today's podcast. We've also been brainstorming. We've got a ton of fun content coming your way from the Cracked Rackets front. As
1: always, if you if you, if you didn't already – if you say, if you didn't already know that from Dalton – It's just spewing Instagram with (laughs) get ready everyone. So if if you have Spewing or Spamming He's spewing the spam. Hmm. That is the uh, least appetizing dish. That's a North Quad special. (laughs) No, that's But yes, there is lots of stuff on the horizon.
0: Absolutely. And I'll ask you, as always, go check out our website, crackedrackets.com. We've got so much good content up there. Alex Gornett with his weekly drop shots. Ryan Cardiff talking about college tennis, the futures, the challengers. Stokowiak doing all the wonderful things he does. Anna Bright, Parson Namati, Jamie McDonald, Bo Tres. We've also got two special guest writers this week. We've got James Sophia who wrote a little bit about the Shanghai Masters history and its influence on tennis. We've also got a guy in Kale Hammond who wrote about the the itf transition tour rothman i know you and kale have a relationship as well uh you know you want to talk about him a little bit <laughs>
1: uh i'm i'm excited to he deserves see a he, shout out he does he does i, I was gonna say i was excited to see what he thinks about when he hears my explanation of this uh but yeah no kale and i recently got in touch and we're, we're gonna duel it out in the powell tennis court tomorrow so uh <laughs> i'll, I'll get we'll we'll give you a little update on what happens there next pod <laughs> Uh, but yeah, also, James Sophia is uh, a temporary guest as he has just joined the Cracked Rackets team, so want to give him a shout out and, and, you know, congratulations and welcome to uh, the Cracked Rackets team. But also, don't forget to check out our Cracked Interviews podcast. We've got a few podcasts that were just released tonight, actually, which is Thursday, October 18th, because I realized that this podcast will not be released tonight. Gruskin had... Uh, According to him, quote-unquote, his favorite interview yet with Yannick Honnethman, and he also has interviewed Mark Lucero, uh, so definitely make sure to, to check out those podcasts, because Alex really seemed to enjoy these ones. He, he texted me a lot about them, so... Oh, look, I ones. think I've
0: done enough of these by now to know, yeah, some of the conversations... They, none of them have ever dragged on, but you know the good ones when you're participating in them, and... Yannick was one of the good ones. Obviously, he comes from that golden era, 2011-2016 college tennis that I followed so closely. We got to talk about his time at USC, some of the fun stories there, uh, his transition to the Pro Tour. We gave a shout-out, of course, to the Stowe Mountain Lodge Classic event we were both at, and we got to call one of his matches, Rothman, as you remember. So, great to talk to him. Uh, you know, it, it, It's good to always get uh, one of those hist- guys from... Again, a time period in tennis I enjoyed so much.
1: Well look, I mean any podcast that goes an hour and fifteen minutes after <laughs> editing clearly is one that you enjoyed, so uh it definitely I don't be think a good we one.
0: even screwed up. It was just converse it was really good. Again Uh, There are specifics. He had a passing shot against Alex Damajan when he changed directions. And I remember exactly which spring term class I was in when I watched him do it. And I remember thinking to myself, God, like they're stealing another title for my Cavaliers. Ugh. So, yeah, it was... It was a fun conversation. Go check that out. As right, Max well, said, follow us on <laughs> Instagram, good. all of those things. But let's get into today's coverage because, as we mentioned, there have been so many tournaments since the U.S. Open completed. I'm looking at my list now. We have seven tournaments, if you include the Shanghai Masters. We're not including the tournaments going on this week, but we will talk about those later on. What we want to do, rather than bombard you listeners with match recaps of our favorite matches from all of these tournaments, we want to talk Talk about some of the narratives that have come out since this post in this post U.S. Open part of the season. There have been a lot of guys, young players, you know, middling career players, guys who in the 26 to 29 age, not middling, but just middling age-wise, I guess in terms of their primes. All of these players have had, uh, you know, monumental events, and then of course Novak Djokovic in Shanghai. And we want to talk about all of that. So, so what we're going to be doing today, a great shot podcast classic. We're going to be bringing back the shot clock. And Max, I prepared. 16 storylines for us to talk about. I should say we prepared, although we know who listed them on the outline. Sorry, I haven't gotten a hate grit shot in at you in a while, so that one felt good for me. But we're just going to be going back and forth on these debates. Again, two minutes on it for that one. (laughs) Well, you have plenty of chances in this debate now. Uh, There are true or false statements to present the storyline, and we're going to go back and forth. Some of them we may agree on. Some of them I'm sure we're going to disagree on. Uh, But yeah, uh, you know, you ready to rock and roll, Rothman?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's do it. This should be a, a fun one.
0: But so, with that, let's get into our first storyline. Rothman, as you know, Stokovic and I did a podcast on the Labour Cup. So, this one, I just want your take. True or false, the 2018 Labour Cup was more thrilling than any of the year's four majors.
1: Well, Alex, I'm definitely going to take my two minutes here because I am salty that I wasn't able to be on the Labour Cup pod. But to keep it simple, yes, uh, it definitely was more exciting than some of the majors. Yes, this year we had some newcomers into the later rounds of the Grand Slams, which makes them interesting, but Laver Cup is so fun. I mean, if you weren't watching these guys on the sidelines and seeing how much fun they were having, I don't think I've ever seen players watching a match and having that much fun. So that right there, you know, obviously makes it more exciting than any of the other Grand Slams. Um, obviously, you and I are both Team Tennis fans. We love the the team atmosphere. The doubles was fantastic. Uh, I guess that that's a whole other debate. You know, do are we talking about the Grand Slam just from the singles perspective or the doubles perspective? But with Labor Cup, you get both back to back to back. Um, I mean, it was just great tennis. They they had fun. You could tell that they cared. Uh, I think that's the one thing that you always are concerned about with a tournament like Labor Cup is, you know, without the points, without the real, you know, thing at the end that's driving them towards the comp- the, the competitive drive, uh, are, are they really going to play their hardest? And it, they clearly were. Um, and it was just great tennis all weekend. I think, you know, besides potentially Wimbledon, it was more fun than all of them.
0: That was almost the full two, two minutes. That was a nice minute and a half. I'm going to sneak in one quick question before we're done with this take. You look at the interesting contrast, maybe some of the brightest moments you think about from the Grand Slam season. The Chung breakthrough was awesome. Uh, you know, Djokovic's comeback, awesome. But the Isner-Anderson match that went you know, however long in that fifth set compared to just a third set breaker between Fed and Isner,
1: I honestly think the third set breaker was more enjoyable. Wow. That's a huge statement to make. And I think we're going to have to have another pod. I I think it's already in the books where we're going to talk about the potential rule changes for next year. I know Lisa Stone wants to hop on there with us and debate us a little bit there because that is a big topic. But I'm definitely over the two minutes. Let's move on to the next question. Alex, I'm going to hit you with this true or false. Fliegner, start the clock. So, Alex, I know you've talked about Daniil Medvedev a little bit recently with me. So, I want to hear your take: True or false? Daniil Medvedev, who has three career ATP titles in 2018, will end his career with more ATP titles than Karen Kiechnov, who has two career ATP titles, one in 2018, or Andre Rublev, who has one career ATP title that has that wasn't this year. So, true or false? Neil Medvedev end his career with more ATP titles than Karen Khachanov or Andrei Rublev go
0: well for Medvedev you know this year he became the third player from Russia to reach an ATP 500 final the other two Nikolai Davidenko and Mikhail Yuzny obviously that's excellent company to join if you're asking me who's going to have the longest sustained career I just think Medvedev the ease in which he plays it's very smooth it's very casual he see, as, as stressful as he gets it seems like a laid back easy to replicate game but no i i the upside for catchnov and andre rublev andre rublev was injured let's not forget this guy is a former number 1 junior in the world medvedev has been playing great we saw it against fed in shanghai his level has certainly jumped this year he's a guy we'll talk about in terms of our most improved players but, no, this is a one-year—you know, they've got many years ahead. I say no. What do you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think of those players, Kiechenov is going to end up with the most. Um, I think, you know, wow. the weapons the weapons that he has off the ground um, are just stronger than the other two. Rublev, as you've said, has had injuries, has been shaky. I'm— um, um, you know, Obviously, he's young. All of these guys are young, uh, so there, there's definitely a lot of time for them to develop. And Medvedev, I don't know. I mean, he's a, one of the, the taller guys on tour as well. Is his game going to develop more? I'm not sure if, if it can. Great, but I'm going to say no. I'll say
0: this about uh, Kachinov. You know, we talk about his ceiling because physically he's so gifted i also think his game translates better to three out of five than it does two out of three a lot of the tournaments are two out of three. Oh, and there's the clock but i just think that's something to think about in terms of title count you know rublev can be on fire for two sets and just win it versus Kashnov wearing you down but okay i'll quickly move on to the next one i don't even think we're gonna need the full two minutes here but fligner start the clock Rothman, my question to you, and I I love your opinions on questions like these. Dominic team won a title in St. Petersburg. It's one of the tournaments that have happened since the U.S. Open. He beat Struff, Medvedev, Roberto Bautista, Agut, and Cleason. Does that, in your mind, make up for his second round loss, first round for him because he was a seed, to Matthew Ebden in Shanghai?
1: My initial reaction is, F- no. Like, it, I mean, seriously, if you are going to be a top player, you need to show that week in and week out, you can be the best. And to lose second round to a guy that's ranked, what? what what's Ebden ranked right now? I mean, he's maybe top 50. I just, it's not the kind of tennis you want to see from team who has, Time and time again, been said to be someone who is on the horizon for winning Grand Slams. Now, when I took a step back and thought about it for a second. I'm so
0: excited.
1: (laughs) When I thought about it for a second, there is this unfortunate side of tennis where guys have to be very smart about, you know, how far they're going in tournaments, how much they're playing. And unfortunately, and this is a debate that you and I have had is, you know, whether or the ATP tour should give a longer, you know, quote-unquote offseason. Maybe this is where he just decides, you know what, I'm not going to try as hard. I don't need this tournament. I've got enough points. I'm going to sit this one out. Now, I don't like that. That's not enjoyable for me. It's not enjoyable for anyone. I don't think, you know, Federer and Nadal, those kind of guys do that very often. I haven't seen it much, uh, but that's kind of the, the way I'm looking at it here. Otherwise, I don't really see a reason why he should have lost that match
0: so i that is not what you're gonna say i'm a little disappointed just so you know ebden right now in the live rankings number 39 pretty good for him but i'll yeah. say this about team he lost what six, did you four, think i was six, gonna say so here's the timer i'm not using one of my challenges and i should mention we each get two extensions where you're an extra two minutes onto the topic two because that's my go-to number in this instance for dominic team I thought given that he lost 6'4, 6'7, 7-6, if you actually watch this match, and I always criticize people because they don't actually watch the tennis, didn't serving and volleying, he was out of his mind in this match. And it's not like team didn't hit the shots. Team was right there. That's why this is just one of those instances I think team's body is actually held up better this year. And so I'm just saying I thought that's the excuse you were gonna give him. I do agree with your sentiment though, that uh you know, you do have to be wary about your body when you're planning for the season.
1: Yeah, right. I, I, just let's move on. I, I know we don't want right. to.
0: Totally. And well, then I want to get sent a true or false your way. And this is something we talked about in our Jonathan Kelly State of the Union pod about the U.S. men's players and where they're at <laughs> at this point of the season. So if you could, Fliegner, start the clock, Rothman, true or false, Steve Johnson has had a more impressive season than Francis Tiafo.
1: Look, I don't want to go too much into your time, Alex, but if you look at the comparison between their best wins and their worst losses, they, they seem pretty similar. So again, I'm just going to break this down into the fact that Francis is younger and had essentially as good a season at a younger age. I, I think it goes to him.
0: Well, clearly you didn't listen to the podcast, and I appreciate you giving me time to repeat my point. I took Steve Johnson in this, and I agree with everything you said, and Jonathan Kelly made the exact same points. The difference to me, and this was the kicker, because if we're judging 2018 on its own, we're not giving any background to the season, no context. We're just saying which season is more impressive. I give the bump to Stevie only because he's got two titles to one to Francis's one, and I just oh, think. Oh, so now we're know. gonna
1: have a title debate? No, okay. no.
0: And the reason I say it is because the margins are that thin. And it's like, I agree with you. You could go either way. Both of them have had great wins. One could argue Francis has had the better wins, given that he's beaten Delpo, Chung, Edmund Shepovalov, And Stevie's beaten some great players, too, but no one like a Delpo. I guess Wawrinka, kind of. Uh, but still, to me, I- I'm just going to give the slight
1: bump to Stevie because he's got two titles. That's literally my only explanation. Fair? Yeah, fair enough. And All right. we beat the— We just— got the clock there. Alex, I'm going to hit you with the next true or false because this is your guy from the beginning who to this day I still don't think is that good. True or false, Stefan Kozlov has had a more disappointing single season <laughs> than Jack Sock. <laughs> Fliegner, cue the clock. Well, I'll just say this about Kozlov. I
0: watched his recent match and I believe he played Oh, the guy's got a similar name to the guy on Georgia. I don't remember his name exactly, and usually I should know this, but it was disappointing, man. Stefan has not had a good year. He's 6-11 on the year. He's dropped to number 261 in the world. He switched to a Babolat racket, which to me, obviously a cardinal sin. <laughs> I know um, you
1: hate that deep down.
0: Look, I I know he's battled injuries, so I want to you know take all this with a grain of salt, especially given he's only played you know seventeen matches on the year. That says something about the injury. Uh, but it. The weapons just, I haven't seen them. And it's concerning because all of these other guys from his class, whether it's Michael Moe with the physicality, whether it's Opelka just with the sheer size, Tommy Paul, again, seems to be so adept at shot making and playing big points, big moments, Fritz the serve, on and on and on. For Kozlov, it was always the feel. And I'm just not seeing the weapons right now. So it's a little disappointing. You're asking me to compare it with Jack Sock. It's hard because Jack Sox had all the double success. In terms of singles, oh, man, I'm more disappointed in Sock, I guess, because it's a year wasted of his prime, but not very
1: happy with either. What do you think? I mean, obviously, I'm not the biggest Kozlov fan. I just don't think he's got the weapons. Um, the problem for me is I just consider Sock a doubles player. If you look at Sock's Instagram from a few days ago, he posted a picture of himself and it it, the caption was, I won a singles match question mark. So I don't even know if, I don't know if he even considers himself a singles player anymore. Uh, so was his season disappointing? Eh, maybe. Uh, I don't even know if he considers it disappointing. So I'll, I'll give it to, uh, for a more disappointing single season.
0: All right, I'm down with that. Well, then, let's move on to our next topic, and we beat the clock there. Well done. Always a fun thing to do. I'll ask you this one, Rothman. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about the young Canadians this year, and if you look at both of these guys, they've had a ton of success. You're talking about Denis Shapovalov. Let's look at what he's done since the U.S. Open. Six and four overall wins over Chung and Wawrinka. He reached an ATP 500 semifinal in Tokyo, reached a quarterfinal in St. Petersburg his losses the Basilashvili one not the best loss alright what am I saying the Basilashvili one totally acceptable given what we've seen out of him so far this year the Medvedev one totally you know again both guys won titles Nishioka also recently won a title Clezon made a final you compare Shapovalov's results since the Open to the other young Canadian stun, Felix Ogier-Alasim, who's gone 11-3 and since that major, and obviously we remember he retired against Shapovalov with some physical issues. Good to see him rebound. He's up to a career-high 105 in the live rankings. He's won a challenger title, has wins over Istaman and Chung, and reached an ATP 250 quarterfinal in Chengdu. Two quick fun facts for you, Rothman. Fun fact number one, here are the teens with multiple challenger titles in the same season since 2014 14 nick Kyrios. 15 fritz and chung 16 tiafo 17 felix did it last year so did shapovalov and tiafo did it again this year just felix max that's an elite company
1: yeah i mean these are all guys that are you know now established on tour so i mean absolutely definitely elite company you and you look at practice?
0: you know just uh, yeah just another fun thing uh, in terms of Felix, he became the first player born in the 2000s to reach an ATP quarterfinal. Uh, here are the guys from the years. We'll start in 1993. Team did it right before he turned 20. Pui did it for the 94s at age 21. Kirios did it at 19. Kiatchnoyev did it at 17.5. That's freaking awesome. Zverev, of course, does it earlier than anyone for 1997, does it at 17.2. Kozlov, my boy, for the 98s, 18.3. Oh, how much better it was back then. Shapovalov did it for the 99s, 18.3 as well. FAA did it just after turning 18. Again, elite company. All signs point. Towards FAA being the next big thing. So what I'm gonna ask you, Rothman, and here's our true or false of so Fligner, start the clock. More impressive <laughs> run. Yeah, more exactly. More impressive run since the US Open. Shapovalov or FAA.
1: Well, first of all, I'm gonna spend the first ten seconds letting the fans know that Alex does not do all the research to find these facts out. They <laughs> yes, do, I do often come they do often come from tennis Twitter. So shout out tennis Twitter for being awesome. But but how the do they false. get from tennis Twitter to the outline? Okay, that's not research. That's just copy. <laughs> that's just copy paste. Gotta do the work, motherfucker. <laughs> Someone puts that <laughs> on Wikipedia. That's your job. All right, <laughs> to answer the, to answer the question. I, I don't know. It's I want to say Shapovalov. He's had more impressive wins, and I, and I think that's really where it comes down to. Um, you know, obviously unbelievable season for FAA and. And I think the fact that he made an ATP 250 is unbelievable at his age. Um, Yeah, I still think i got to give it to Shapovalov, who's just had more impressive wins. An ATP 500 semifinal. He also made a quarterfinal at St. Petersburg. you just got to give it to him.
0: I agree. We we don't have to use the full two minutes on this one. My rant did more than enough. FAA has been incredibly impressive. The only thing you could ask for— Better is to do it on the ATP level, which is what Shapovalov has done. Yeah, 6-4, and don't let that fool you. Again, his four losses, all very reasonable. Again, wins over Chung and Wawrinka.
1: I'm in with you. Let's move on to our next one. So Alex, I'm going to hit you with this one. We're taking a quick step away from the true or false, and we're going to do who would you rather be? Michael Moe or Jared Donaldson heading into the 2019 season keeping in mind that Moe just won back-to-back challenger titles in Columbus and Tiburon and cracked the top 100 for the first time in his career. So again, who would you rather be? Michael Moe Jared Donaldson? Fleegs, start that clock. This
0: is a tough question for me. If you're asking me who is going into 2019 in better form, and I mean I wrote these questions, so I guess I should have worded them better. Um, <laughs> i'm gonna say michael moe man michael moe has taken some jumps this year first atp quarterfinal first time in the atp top 100 back-to-back challenger titles i suppose he's no longer a teen, but guess what he did it at age 21 that's still you know or sorry age 20 that's still you know really freaking a lot of success for someone that young for donaldson He's been there before. See, I wanted to take the Donaldson take because I feel like I knew you were going to say Mo. I didn't do that because I I just think the answer's got to be Michael Mo
1: here. So, I hear you. I actually—I am going to take Donaldson. Um, I appreciate that. If you look at his record from the end of this season, he had a rough middle patch with a couple first-round losses. But if you look at the end of his season— Look at French Open. He beat Nicolas Jari in the first round. Lost to Dimitrov in a tough fifth set. Then you look at his ATP 250 in Eastbourne. Beats Taylor Fritz in the first round. Loses to Chapeau in a three-setter in the second round. Tough loss, but, you know, it's not a, a bad loss. Wimbledon wins his first round against Jaziri. Loses second round in a five-setter to Pass, Then move on to the City Open, which is the following tournament. Wins his first round. Again, loses to pass. So you're looking at really close matches with top players. I think if you see him just take that next step where he starts winning a few of these matches, I mean, we're going to be seeing him in, in third rounds, fourth rounds, quarterfinals of the ATP 250s and 500s. I'm, um, you know... It looks good for him. I, I could see him really making some long runs and some tournaments coming in 2019, so I'm going to give it to him. So we only have seven seconds
0: left, so I'm going to use one of my challenges here. I'm going to extend the clock. I want to say this. You talk about Jared Donaldson. I agree with you. He's been top 65 for over a year consecutively when he was healthy. He has showed a higher level of sustained excellence at this point than Michael Moe. However, it's a typical debate of higher upside versus higher uh, floor, and Donaldson obviously has the higher floor. You know what he is at this point. Yes, he'll keep getting better, but you know at a minimum what he's going to be able to do with his forehand, with the way he, the pace he puts on the ball, how flat he hits it. With Michael Moe. He is just starting to grow into his game to gain confidence to develop the patterns of I need to be aggressive. I need to just move forward and take my lumps because I am so athletic. I can cut off angles and take shots away from opponents so well. And if I can add the element of moving forward off of my serve, which is 135 (laughs) miles an hour, I can be so good. And he's it's not to say he didn't realize that before but he is embracing that now that aggressive attitude. I think that comes with the fact that he has a new coaching team surrounding him pushing him in different ways i'm just so excited for michael mo 2019 rendition i think he's gonna make a jump for sure i think so is opelka and maybe paul if they're all healthy it's gonna be fun to watch these young americans next year as well
1: yeah i think you said it well the next gen americans fun to watch keep an eye out i say we move on to the next true or false all right,
0: perfect. Well, I have a great question for you, and this is a classic Rothman question. In fact, it's just for you, Max Rothman. True or false at this point? Stan Wawrinka is still oh, in your personal... <laughs> no, no. True, true or false, Rothman? You can leave it in, stuff. It's fine. I'm just going to re-ask the question. True or false? Stan Wawrinka, not Stan Wawrinka is f- still in your personal top 10 ranked singles player on tour. And here's a little context. Since the US Open, 4-3 and three, wins over Bedene, Kiechnov, Zumher, and Fritz. Losses to Klizan, Shapovalov, Chorich, Fligner. Start the clock.
1: Again, this is one of those ones where I have like an initial reaction and then a follow-up. Initial reaction is absolutely. It's Fabrica. <laughs> like, I mean... Yes, he's <laughs> That's what had, I was hoping for. He's had some rough, you know, losses here and there, and he's not, obviously, back to 100%. Um, but then if you take a step back and you look at who's in the top 10 in the world right now, I mean, you've got your top five, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, Delpo, Zverev, and then the bottom five of the top 10, which is where you'd probably have to place him, or if if you're going to, Chilich team, Anderson, Dimitrov, Isner. I don't think he's winning more than 50% of the matches with any of those guys right now. Best, you know, 10 matches against any of those guys from 6 to 10, he's not winning more than 50%. And if I can't say that comfortably, he can't be in the top 10 in the world. Um, I I just still think he's not mentally there. There's some matches that he should not be losing right now. And I think that's just a result of him not feeling 100% ready himself to be back.
0: I'm going to go through this list real quick. Tell me if you think Stan Wawrinka would beat them if they lined up tomorrow. Healthy Rafa Nadal. No. Novak Djokovic. No. Roger Federer. No. 2 knee Del Potro. <laughs> no. Alex Zverev. Not more than 50%, but Zverev Marin- is a
1: wild card. Marin Cilic. No. Dominic Team also more of a wild card but no. Anderson. Definitely not. I'm going to skip Isner, Dimitrov. Actually, I'm going to skip
0: Dimitrov too. Nishikori.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh Nishikori's on the rise and is still a wild card but he's he's a maybe. Go fan. Uh, this is where you're starting to get into that. Okay. And this is where i so place it.
0: That's why you still have him. My answer to a lot of those is still no. I say no, but I get it. We can move on. And in fact, let's do this one real quickly as well. No clock necessary here, Fliegner. True or false? Jill Simone won the Moselle Open, one of the tournaments since the U.S. Open. He got wins over Vesely. Uh, <laughs> Krayinovich, Gasquet, Elbot, and Bakinger. On recent form alone, compared to the other French guys And Rothman, your guy, Joe Wilfried Tsonga, made his return this week, got his first win back on tour in his first-round match. Still, do you think Jill Simone should be a uh, guaranteed singles player for da- uh, the French team in the Davis Cup final?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, obviously him and... You're Murphy. on the bandwagon with me? Let's go! Dude, he's consistent. You gotta give it to someone who's gonna be consistent. So, yes.
0: The way I beat you is I Jill Simone you.
1: I just wear your ass down. Yeah, that works like one out of ten times. So let's move on (laughs) to the next question. Alex, I'm going to hit you with this one. True or false, Bernard Tomich, who was once your guy who you have now turned your back on, won the Chengdu Open, getting wins over Klon, Harris, FAA, Sousa, and Fonini. True or false, he re-enters the ATP Top 50 by the end of next year's Australian Open. Fliegner, cue the clock. Well, obviously,
0: this question is only in this list because I think the answer is yes. I know. Um, I, I just
1: think, but I want, I want you to counter yourself like you always do.
0: <laughs> well, look, I don't like cocaine. He might do cocaine again. That would be an issue. <laughs> if he doesn't, the answer is yes. Like if he stays away from the Australian reality TV shows. If he just, you know, keeps his head down just maintains the fact that he is so talented. Sorry, that was a stopper. Ignore ignore that clock, yeah. yeah. The guy has as much talent as any player on tour. He just mentally, he loses focus. He doesn't sustain the excellence. He put together an incredible run since he's come back on tour, I don't know, July, where he's won a couple challengers. He now wins an ATP tournament coming from qualifying. And I should say, uh, since 1990. There have been four occasions when at most four players came from qualies to win a singles title on tour. Those years, 91, 1995, shout out to us, 2008, 2009. This year, including Bernard Tomic, there have been eight guys to win ATP titles coming from qualies. It speaks to how close the level is between the player ranked 125 and the player ranked 25. Now, a lot of times, these players come from qualies and win tourneys where the big guys, Fad, Nadal, Djokovic, aren't playing in. But still, that gap from 125 to 25 keeps narrowing.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you. Although, um, for this, as far as the, the true or false, I'm going to say false. Uh, I think <laughs> that he's going to no start... No points to defend. Nothing to defend. He was, uh, he yeah. was
0: doing drugs.
1: He wasn't playing he, matches. Well, exactly. I, I mean, wait. But not exactly. I'm saying he's not going to re-enter the, t- the top 50.
0: <laughs> That's funny. No, I'm saying he has no points to defend. If he can he, play this right. level get into tournaments he can raise his ranking very easily
1: yes but he's going to go back to partying and he will not break the top 50 let's move on to one more true or false before we get to your trivia segment Alex true or false our guy Yoshihito Nishioka from Stowe Vermont or our friend from Stowe Vermont his title in Shenzhen was quite impressive but was it more impressive than Medvedev's in Tokyo so to to quickly recap and if you could
0: cue it Look yeah, at I you. Call. 46 minutes in, you learn what to do with the queuing of the clock. Uh, uh-huh. dude, uh, just a little call. bit of back- <laughs> a little bit of background for these guys when comparing. No Nishioka, another guy who came from qualifying to win a title. Medvedev also did it in Tokyo. For Nishioka, he got wins over Kudla, Shapovalov, Nori Verdasco, and Herbert. For Medvedev, Schwartzman, Kleison, Rayonich, Shapovalov, Nishikori. You know, I think Nishioka had a tougher matches match Ugh. I take that back i got I love you, Yoshihito, and getting to hit with you, your reaction to Max's serve was incredible i <coughs> gotta nice. go I gotta go with the medvedev title. I mean those are all Ooh. four of those five wins, and considering Cleezon made another final on top of uh year before this tournament. Uh, I I just, that, it shows the jump Medvedev's taken this year. He is now firmly inside the top, you know, 35 players on tour.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And also, I don't, you didn't mention this, but Medvedev came out of qualifying to break into this main draw. So the fact that he did that and then won is crazy. So you gotta give it to him there. Well look, we're
0: at the forty, you know, eight ish minute mark, so I'll forgive you for not listening too closely. I did say he came from qualifying. I will also Oops. say this. Also we haven't late done many tangents. So I want a quick me. I want a quick tangent for you, Rothman. We saw them both at Stowe. Uh, we've seen them both have success this year, but Nishioka obviously gets an ATP title. Who's ranked higher at the end of twenty nineteen? Yoshihito, Nishioka, or Noah Rubin?
1: Whoa, I wasn't expecting you to throw Rubin in there um wait so it's yoshi you're saying yoshi Daniil or ruben or you no daniel Yo- is going to be higher i'm just saying yoshi okay cool ruben. cool um oof, that's tough man i mean i i
0: don't Similar even know vein, an answer upside then who do you think's got the higher upside
1: probably ruben i think he's more athletic uh,
0: I don't know. Yoshi's really quick. He's very he solid on both sides. And Doesn't hit the biggest ball. also being a
1: lefty just yeah. inherently makes you a little bit more of an edgy player.
0: I would love to see both guys inside the top 50 for a long time. Two guys who just are great human beings who make tennis shine in its finest light. All right, let's move on to our next true or false. And there is going to be an Alex's trivia associated with this. So if you could, Westoff, cue up the game show sound effect. It's time for this week's Alex's trivia. So Rothman, Nicholas Bachelashvili won it became the 10th player to win at least two ATP 500 tournaments in a single season when he won in Beijing a few weeks ago. My question to you, can you name the other nine players to do it? And again, the ATP 500 series relatively new. All of these players have won their titles. The earliest was 2009. So you are aware of who all of
1: these guys are. Can you name the nine? I mean, you got to assume, like, you know, Fed, Djokovic, Murray, and Nadal. Um, all correct. All, of them. Okay. all correct. And real um, quick,
0: Federer's done it four times. That's the most. Djokovic, three times, tied for the second most. Murray and Nadal both have done it twice. There's another guy who has done it three times, tied with Djokovic. Can you name him?
1: I feel like it's going to be like an old. Oh, wait. These are since 2009?
0: Since around. Yeah. No, that's oh, 2009. Well... Yeah.
1: Well, that just made me think of Delpo. I'm sure I'm Delpo sure has done it
0: once. He won four titles in 2013 at the 500 level.
1: Um, I feel like a Sanga or a Burdich has to be in there.
0: No Sanga, no Burdich, but you're on the right track.
1: Oh, I, I feel like vavrinka has got to be on there.
0: Vavrinka is on the list. He did it once in 2015. You have one, two, three How? more players to guess. Only one of
1: them is very tough. Uh, don't look. 2009. No, no, I'm actually looking at uh current – or not current, but, like, recent results. Um, who else was in the top five besides, like, Birdish? Oh, come on. Who There's else? an
0: obvious one. He's oh. retiring at the end of the season.
1: Oh, oh, Ferrer. Ferrer, Ferrer.
0: Has, is the other player with Djokovic who has done it three times. 2010, 2012, 2015. That's a case to make when you talk about the him versus Delpo who's got the better career. Something we'll do this offseason. Two more guys. Oh, come, one of them, again, has been a top 10 guy now. He's made a major final. That's a rare feat amongst players nowadays. Went to Volatari.
1: Oh, wait. oh! Are we talking about Nishi
0: Nishikori Nishi is the guy. He's done it twice: 2014, 2015. Good for him, I agree. I'm going to give you the last guy. Martin Cleason, who did it in 2016, <laughs> Rotterdam and Hamburg. I know. What a guy to end what? this list with. I love it. And in that spirit, the true or false question to you, Rothman, Nicholas Viley. is he a legit top 20 player? And I'll say he beat Sock, Verdasco, Jaziri, Edmund, and Del Potro on his run to the
1: title in Beijing. Fligner, cue the clock. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um... I mean with results like that this year it's it's kinda hard to argue not. He's got some number. <laughs> he does. Um I don't know. It, it's I think it to me it's in the it's in a similar light where are, are we gonna consider someone like Tsitsipas or Chechenado or those kind of guys who just broke the top 20 because of some good results, are, are they a legitimate top 20? Yeah, pro- I think you have to give it to them. Like you, You're not just going to do that by not being a legitimate top 20 player. Um, so I, I'll stipulate it with this. He is a current legitimate top 20 player. I don't know how long that will last.
0: I think that's perfectly said. I we're not going to need to use the full clock here. It's been a tremendous year for Basilashvili. I haven't seen enough of it. He's just he seems very confident right now. I just don't. I you know he's executing well. I don't know if he's got any phenomenal weapons that'll have the lasting staying power of the, you know the gays of the world who are always in the top fifteen. Okay, let's move on now to the Shanghai-focused storylines. These will be our last couple. And, of course, you'll want to stick around for our changeover chat, which will come after this as its own separate episode. But, Rothman, this is—you know I have a well-documented case of Federer fatigue. In this Shanghai tournament, Roger Federer wins three consecutive three-set matches in a best-of-three format. The last time he did that— Hamburg, 2007, when he beat Ferrer, Moya, and Nadal for the Hamburg title <laughs> on clay. So, I mean, 2007 is literally over a decade ago. Rothman, my true or false question to you: Has Roger Federer slowed down a step this year? Flagner, cue the clock—a sli- a sad clock, but a clock nonetheless.
1: Well, you're you're assuming it's sad because you think I'm going <laughs> to say yes, uh, which is true to an extent. So. I mean, look, the guy is thirty-nine and seven on the year. He's ranked three in the world. He won a Grand Slam this year. I, I mean, can you really say he's slowed down in terms of his results? Uh, I don't think so. He had a he had a freak loss to Milman in the U.S. Open, and the rest of his losses are really mainly the top ten guys. Besides two losses to Borna this year, which good for him. And the Kakanakis um, loss in Miami. And the Kakanaka. So, yeah, some some fluke losses here or there, which I think happens to most guys unless you're Djokovic and you're just, you know, on another level. Um, the thing is, if you do watch enough of his game, you can tell his movement is just different. He's definitely being more aggressive, not only just from the baseline, but he's shortening points by coming to the net. He's, you know, coming back to the serve and volley a little more. So... He's definitely lost a little bit of his step as far as how quick he is, and I think that's the the most noticeable difference in his game.
0: Well, you think about it though. This year, he took the clay season off, and still didn't have that much sex. sex. He didn't have that much success <laughs> at the U.S. Open. Didn't have that much success on this Asia swing, despite only playing in Shanghai. Uh, or is that true? I don't know if he only played in Shanghai, but still.
1: No, he
0: did. Again, I'm biased. I'm not going to say anything beyond—I just think something's different. Maybe these guys—maybe it's just these guys now believe they can beat him, but his game is so predicated on rushing the net— I mean, he is just outlandishly aggressive, and I think it's because he knows he cannot last on the court as long, and no sh- he, you know, He's getting older. He's 35, 36, 37 years old. But he has to be so aggressive, and the margin of error keeps thinning more and more. And I just think it's going to be harder and harder to play the game. And there's no, you know, you wonder why you start hearing about maybe he's going to retire soon, hint, hint. And it's just that would be why.
1: <laughs> It'd be crazy if he retired at. Next year's Labor Cup, wouldn't it? That would be one way to go out. It it really would. Uh, But we're definitely over our two minutes here. Let's let's move on to our next chore. And if I
0: may, this is a question I have for you because you texted me. In my opinion, somewhat naively thinking you were the first person to ever come up with the take that Novak Djokovic, at this, at this, uh, after this title and after this run, might be the best player of all time. Now we can save that debate for another time. But my true or false question to Such you, Rothman, red... <sighs> is Novak Djokovic back at the piece of, peak of his powers? Use these two minutes however you want, Fliegner Start the clock.
1: Like I can't even. Say things to you now without you trying to come up with some reason as to why it was naive or stupid or <laughs> you know unresearched. You're just a little. D- um, I don't do that with your stuff because <laughs> yes, you, I'm do. Not <laughs> yes you I, do. I do, but I don't. I don't put it out to the world. You fucking douche. <laughs> Anyways, um, better than ten- uh, tennis than you, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, he is definitely at the peak. I mean, just, like, look at the way he's playing. The fact that he ended up um, beating Zverev after Zverev just destroyed Demenauer was just unbelievable. A 2 and one just dismantle of Zverev was so impressive to see. I literally texted you after Zverev beat Demenauer at Shanghai, I was like, dude, Zverev has the potential to win grand slams and be the best in the world and then literally a day later Djokovic just comes in and whoops his ass (laughs) so yeah I mean he just won Shanghai he just won the US Open he's on what I think like a 15 match win streak maybe longer a- 18 uh, match he's won 18, 18 in match. a row
0: 27 of his last 28 two slam titles and is 215 points away from returning to world number one it took an on fire pass to beat him in Toronto and I mean pass played the match of his life yeah no fucking <laughs> Djokovic is back
1: yeah it, I mean I, I'm scared that he really is just gonna blow away the next two or three years and really give fed a run for his money on that well
0: then let me just do a quick a a bridge version of alex's trivia before we move on to our last storyline uh you look at the most Masters title Ooh, and i'm going to use my last challenge here it's perfect you look at the most masters 1000s title nadal 33 Djokovic now 32 Feder 27 Big drop, Agassi 17, Murray 14, Sampras 11. You look at the most Masters 1,000 matches won. Federer Nadal ironically, or not ironically, perhaps fittingly, both at 362 matches won. Djokovic at 328. Huge drop. Then Murray at 212 is in third place. I'll also say that's a testament to Andy Murray. He's the one guy who's made that sort of run, and obviously he's won a ton of matches in his career. Andre Agassi, 209. And then here's a really fun one for you, Rothman. Most 6-0 sets in Masters 1000s. Djokovic has the most now with 37.0. That's ridiculous. 37.60 sets at the Masters 1000 level. Ridiculous. Jimmy Connors, a sneaky second (laughs) place with 36. Nadal, 33. Lendl, 32. Then there's four more players. Interesting fact, Roger Federer all the way down at number nine in this list. I say only, but in his 362 Masters 1000s wins, only 19.60 sets.
1: I think he just usually feels bad for the guy. And he's like, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just give him a quick game because I'm not that worried about it. He's a nice the, guy.
0: The crazy part is that's believable. Like, I completely I, It is. <laughs> All right. Well, then, in that spirit, Rothman, our very last storyline, true or false, you know, there have been so many next-gen results since the U.S. Open. All of these guys, it seems like, have had breakout years this year. They're really starting to assert themselves on tour. You know, In the Shanghai Masters, we saw Zverev and George both reach the semifinals. My question to you, and I'm assuming you're going to use your challenge, so take as much time as you'd like on this one. In your opinion, does it go right now, Alex Zverev is the number one next-gen guy, Borna George is number two, there's a drop, and then there's everyone else? And Fligner, cue the clock.
1: So the answer to this is true. Uh, I mean, you, you got to look at... The way these guys have played recently, also just where their rankings are, what their records are like. Zverev has had crazy success this year. Choric has beaten Federer twice, as I've just mentioned. But all these other guys are very close behind. I'm going to give Stefanos and Kiechenov the the next rung. Even though Chung did make a semifinal this year, he has slipped a lot. He's got too many injuries. I think that really just puts him behind. And then I'll give Dim hour kind of the last spot behind them all. But I do think he is one of the more improved players. And you can hear my take about that in this week's changeover chat. I was think- get. So,
0: I agree with you in that that statement is true. It does go Zverev, George and everyone else. I could not disagree with you more about Hyun Chung, and like you said, we will talk about that more in the changeover chat. I have one last stat for you before we go. Alex Zverev's win helped him reach his 10th ever ATP Masters 1000 quarterfinal, and that, uh, that was at the age of 20, 21 years, 4 months. Again, his 10th ever ATP Masters 1000 For comparison, Nadal was 20 years, 4 months, when he made his 10th. Djokovic, 21 years. Hewitt, 21 years, 1 month. Roddick Sampras, 21 years, 2 months. Michael Chang, 21 years, 3 months. In the case of Federer, he was 22 years, 2 months, when he made his 10th. Murray was 21, 10. Courier, 21, 9. That's elite company. And I know everyone's excited about Alex Zverev, and it's not a— you know, a unique take to say that's the guy to watch. But I'm telling you people, this is the guy. He is going to do things. As soon as he wins that first major, I just want to be able to say I knew he was going to win 10 more. And I'm saying that now. It's going to happen. Once he wins one, look out to her because this guy's game is special.
1: Look – This is a guy that I've also said could definitely win Grand Slams. I literally texted you, again, post-match with Demenauer. I was like, if he can play like that, he's winning Grand Slams. And and I agree with you. Um, It's just going to be about his mental game. I think he still needs a few more years to really learn to be more patient on the court. If he can do that, if he can stay healthy, and also can kind of outweigh some of these older just beasts, you know, of Nadal, Federer, Djokovic... I agree. I think you can win a lot of grand slams. I'm with you. All right. there.
0: I love it. Well, then, let's leave it there. As we mentioned, there will be a changeover chat, but one of the things we decided these episodes are long enough as is, why not release them in separate parts? So that's what we'll be doing in that changeover chat. A little sneak peek for you guys. We'll talk about some of the other things we haven't mentioned. The Juan Martin Del Potro injury, which obviously we have takes on. I have plenty more Alex's trivia ready for Rothman. And then, of course, something we alluded to, we'll be talking about the most improved players on tour we've seen in 2018 we'll also talk about some twitter scandals give some shout outs at the end so you'll definitely want to see that rothman it's been far too long since we recorded one of these i want to thank you for hopping back in the booth with me any final thoughts
1: you know i think we just we got to get back on our game man (laughs) this this is what happens you know thank god people don't see the unedited bullshit oh my god they would be disgusted with this one <laughs> that's all i know but this is this is a it. three
0: hour edit for our man super producer daniel westoff and producer he no longer super i'm sorry but max fliegner who have a, f- a job to do as always
1: <laughs> he's no longer super
0: <laughs> uh, he knows why he's no longer super we love him just as we always have but i'm stripping the ass away from him i'm sorry kal uh, you but, gotta uh, earn it back Fleegs. <laughs> yeah it's a challenge to him maybe he does a <laughs> job editing this and he takes a one hour seven uh one hour seven minute raw audio file and turns it into a 45 minute gem god knows there are enough clocks for him to put in but as always <laughs> shout out to them shout out to you and as I say one last time go check out all of our stuff at CrackedRackets.com, the instagram the social media Dalton's been on a Facebook push recently so please do that so he leaves me Alone. But one last time for my fantastic co-host Maxwell Labour Rothman, for our incredible producers, Daniel Westhoff and Max Fliegner, and for our entire from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Rothman, it's been a while, but do you remember what we say to our fans? Hey, great shot. Oh. Thank you. A- <laughs> I love it as always. And I will see you in the change of the chat.